0: It about time for somebody's favorite radio program?
1: Coming to you from the great state of Alabama and from points located all across the U.S. eastern seaboard, it's Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. You can find us at CosmicPotato.com and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, situated in a small corner in Birmingham, Alabama, only inches from a tall glass of Diet Mountain Dew, Here is your host, Sean Ray.
2: What would you do with the brain if you had one?
1: Hey everybody and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. This episode we came back to keep talking about our picks for the Golden Spud Awards. If you didn't hear the last show, this is our version of the Oscars. But it's the best and worst and we didn't limit ourselves just to film. We also talked about television shows. We had categories like the most underrated movie, the most overrated movie. This episode, we're going to talk about things like the worst movie that had a great trailer, the best movie with no CGI, and some classic categories like best actor, best actress, best picture, things like that. So back with me for this episode uh, was Christina and Rick, and we had a really good time recording this. I hope you enjoy it. So let's go ahead and play that theme music and get the show started.
3: We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating (laughs)
1: change, you filthy animal. Okay. Uh, Rick, Christina are with me, and we're going to continue talking about uh, what we were talking about on the last episode, which is the Golden Spud Awards. Uh, We talked about uh, the categories we did on the last show were the most underrated movie, the most overrated movie, and uh, we're going to start with uh, this third category is the worst movie that had a great trailer in our opinion. in our opinion you know so this y-
3: one was hard yeah I- it was hard for me too and i and, wait a minute how did you get to see the the categories before the show did i not give you the categories no i said
1: <laughs> se- oh, bo- i sent both of you the uh the same message
3: yeah you said make up your own
1: oh well yeah but i mean we, we're going to do these five categories and then we're going to do a couple that you made up i don't I'm sorry. I thought okay. I,
3: I, I, I might not have read it well. Okay. <laughs> Closely okay.
1: Well, uh, I've got three, I got three more categories here that we're just, we're going to do. And then we're, and then we're all going to go around and have our own, you know, couple categories that we made up of, of our own. So. Okay. But I, I, um, don't,
3: I don't actually do show prep anyways. So.
1: <laughs> so, um, and this one, my, my pick for this, I look at it and I'm like, I don't know why I picked that, but, When I saw the preview for Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Oh, goodness.
0: I was. Because I liked the first one
1: because. The reason I liked the first one is because it was such a big parody of Die Hard. that, And they even hit the same marks that Die Hard hit. And, you know, but for comedic effect. And I thought that the first one was so funny. So when the trailer came out for the second one. I was like, oh, they're doing a second one. But they put all the funniest stuff in the trailer, Mm. you know. And then when I watched the movie, I was like, this is not good, (laughs) you know. But it's kind of like the difference between the first time that you see Austin Powers and then when you go see the second one, what was the spy that shagged me? It's like, well, they're telling the same jokes that they told in the last one, you know. They're They're just doing it a little different. I don't know. So Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2, it wasn't good. The The trailer was funny. If you've seen the trailer, you've seen all the funny stuff, so don't bother with it.
3: Okay, here's the message. I didn't see it. I didn't. Uh, no. <laughs> yep, it's right here. You sent it to me. <laughs> Sorry. If it,
0: if it makes you feel better, <laughs> it, it's you perform very well on the spot. <laughs> yeah, then,
3: uh, I've been podcasting yeah. a while. I've gotten used to it. <laughs> But thank you.
1: <laughs> Christine, what's your pick for that one?
0: Um, so I have to explain my answer <laughs> a little bit. So I actually really like this movie. But I think that the trailer is great, but completely is a bad trailer for the movie because I think it sells it all wrong. Um, and the movies Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Okay. So it is very – I think it's true to the book – um, it's very I'm a huge Jane Austen fan, uh, traditional Jane Austen fan, but I you know I have enough sense of humor that I really enjoyed it. But the movie they they really kind of wanted to sell that whole zombie horror movie type uh type film, I guess, and so they they sold it like that and then it's nothing like that. It yeah. in, in it's it is literally scene by scene monologue by monologue and dialogue all the way through is just, it is Pride and Prejudice. And then you have like, you know, they, they, they changed the, the plot, you know, um, in order to suit the, the new world that they live in where it's like the zombie filled, you know, war torn type of Regency England or whatever. Um, but the, the way that the trailer <laughs> is done is it makes it seem like it's got a lot more action, a lot more gore and all that in it. It's nothing like that. So
1: yeah, I figured <laughs> they're, they're trying. They're trying to bring in that Walking Dead audience uh, because that show is so popular. And and uh, like I like I told you on the last show, I tried to read that book uh, when it came out back. I don't. Know, it was like oh nine ten something like that. It's been a while, but I felt I read about the first fifty pages and I was like, they're just trying to trick me into reading Pride and Prejudice.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, <laughs> you know. It's clever. I mean, it is a clever, clever story, I think, but it is really for people who enjoy the book to begin with. It's not something that if you don't like Pride and Prejudice before, you're not going to like it once you watch this at all. Like, it's not going to happen. So um, I took a friend with me um, to see it. the, back before last episode and he was miserable the entire time <laughs> he, he was convinced that he was going to get to see lots of zombies lots of gore it was going to be you know great It's going to be like The Walking Dead and like he was literally just like dying next to me the entire time <laughs> he was so just like I can't stand this movie
1: would you recommend it if like for instance I love The Walking Dead my wife loves Downton Abbey so would that be a good date movie <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, if you if you're the type of person that can handle um, you know, a period film.
2: If oh, you yeah.
0: it, like if you can't if you if you, and it, it's totally totally happens. People some people just cannot watch period film. Um if that's the case then just don't even try. Like you're it is very they they did not modernize the language at all. Yeah. So, it is exactly Pride and Prejudice in that way. So,
3: you just totally sold me on this movie. <laughs> um, you know, when I, my wife and I could, uh, we're we're both uh, theater people. Um, are, are you you design costumes? Are you what?
2: Yes. What, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Are, you, are I, you
3: theater costumes?
0: I yes. I um. I have a bachelor's in theater costume
3: design. Oh, cool. So does so. my wife. <laughs>
0: Interesting. Uh, and
3: and I, I teach tech theater uh, at co- in college.
0: Oh, uh, where, where? What university?
3: Oh, I wish. <laughs> it's a, it's a uh, oh. Eckerd College down here in St. Pete, Florida. Uh, oh, it's, okay. It, it's a small liberal arts school, uh, private school. But uh, we have a tiny theater department. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we couldn't decide if we wanted to see Pride and Prejudice and Zombies or not. And, and because for exactly the reason you just said, only in reverse, I thought, Oh wow, it's just going to be another, you know, zombie movie and then they're going to throw in a couple of, you know, obligatory Jane Austen like scenes and then it, the rest of it's going to be like, you know, Van Helsing or Hansel and Gretel or any of that crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it sounds like I might actually enjoy the film.
0: Yeah, no, definitely it is they were I mean, as much as they possibly could be according to, you know, the the plot and stuff. It is very much Jane Austen. It's Cool. I was I was really impressed and I really enjoyed it. If you are the type, like I said, if you're a Jane Austen fan or definitely like a, you know, a thespian type person, any, anything, if you like that sort of thing, if you like Down Abbey, <laughs> you know, you're going <laughs> to like it a lot. And it's and it's got a lot of um, historical humor. Um, and especially Jane Austen's specific type of humor that, you, I mean, you'll think it's very funny, too. I mean, because you can't not laugh at the fact that you're in a drawing room and they're playing cards and all of a sudden there's like a zombie in the room. So <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. It is funny. And, but it's, it's a very specific type of historical period, costume drama type of humor.
3: <laughs> you know what's so. weird about that movie is uh, it came out two weeks ago. And I have heard zero, you're the first person to ever mention it that I've heard. I, there was like zero buzz about it. Not even, oh, this movie was awful or this movie was okay. Nothing. And I mentioned it on on the movie news show I do. And everybody was like, has it opened yet? Nobody's heard anything about the film.
1: Yeah. I think opening on the same weekend as Deadpool kind of uh, yeah, well. <laughs> did, did, did something for it. but. But yeah. I mean it's got a it, it definitely has a very specific audience, you know. It so. is very
0: specialized. Very specialized and I mean, I have a lot of friends that we love that sort of thing. So amongst ourselves we kind of talk about it. But yeah, like outside of that, like no one no one I'm sure it it probably didn't do very well. Um just it didn't because it it really does speak to only a certain
3: But it didn't do badly enough to be, to even stand out that way. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like gods of Egypt is tanking hard and it's all over the news about how badly Uh, it's doing.
0: But you know, I, it could be, I'm not sure on this, but it might've been somewhat of a limited release because in, I live in Columbus, Ohio, and it's a pretty good sized town. We're the capital of Ohio actually. And it it was only in one theater in our whole town. Mm. So I, I I don't know, Sean. You maybe maybe you can speak to Birmingham. I'm not sure.
1: Birmingham like, has it in most of the. Uh, we've got quite a bit of quite a large number of theaters for the size city that I live in, but um, and it's in most of the theaters. But as far as the showing, I think they're only showing it on one screen, uh, whereas you've got Deadpool showing on like four screens so that they can have 16 showings a day or whatever. So, um, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is usually, you know, just four or five shows a day and during the week it may not even get that, you know. And then after a couple of weeks, some of those movies, uh, they don't disappear, but they'll only get one show in a day and it'll be at like nine o'clock at night, you know, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I thought I that it was weird when it came out too. Like they chose Valentine's Day instead of Halloween, Mm-hmm. time frame i thought that was a little strange too so it, it kind of like to me i was when it, when i found out about it i was like whoa well it, it kind of makes sense you have jane austen *Pride and prejudice a romantic movie and it is you know still like a, a very like romantic movie um but to, but i guess the most of the people that are going to want to see it for the zombie factor it would it's kind of weird <laughs> Valentine's
3: Day date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, okay. we'll definitely hit it when it hits uh, hits like Netflix or Amazon or something.
1: All right, Rick, what's your uh, your pick for the worst movie with a great trailer?
3: Fantastic Four. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: I didn't even think about that. That would have been on my list.
3: Because uh, right up in you know we went and you know like I like I said last week wink. <laughs> um, for me, to, for for us to go to a movie is it it takes planning or a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> because either we have to, you know, I have to kind of like play hooky from work, uh, or we have to get a babysitter. And, yeah. uh, so we're very, very picky about what we go see in the cinema. And, uh, Fantastic Four looked like, and I'm watching the trailers and, you know, when they first announced the Fantastic Four movie, it was like, oh, here we go again. Uh, cause the first couple, you know, in the two thousands didn't, uh, didn't really do all that well. And, rightfully so. Yeah. And and but the trailers looked not half bad. And you know, there was the internet was like, "Oh, this looks terrible. This is going to be awful." And I thought, "No, it doesn't. Looks like it might actually work." <laughs> and boy did it not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that thing was a hot mess from the get-go and it just uh it was just and and you know, the thing no pants.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and, and uh, the the climax was only it was so well. It was an anti-climax. I, because, I was
3: like, calling it a climax is kind of being generous. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> it get it gets up to the to that point and then it's over. And you're yeah. like, well, something else is gonna happen. No, that's the end of the movie.
3: Yeah, you when know? the credits started rolling, I'm like, that was only like the first. You're really all right. Well, yeah. I, I guess we don't have to watch this anymore. But that's weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I'm not. I I've never been really crazy about the Fantastic Four anyway. Just because, to me, it doesn't make. Sense for them all to be in the same accident, but then different things happen. To all of them, <laughs> so
3: yeah.
1: You you, you would think you would think that they would all have the same power because they all were in the same accident, you know? But. Yeah.
3: Well, <coughs> it's it's one of those situations, and I, you know, I'm, I've been watching The Flash. Uh,
1: yeah, oh, I catching love up Flash.
3: On, And I'm 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 only like nine episodes in, so please don't spoil anything. Oh, I won't. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, at least they you've got. A lot of people who were affected by the same thing, but they they just made a very plausible this is why it affected everybody differently kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, the, the, the problem with the Fantastic Four and uh, there's uh, turning comic book movies in the 2000s in uh, hang on. Let me rephrase that because that sentence did not work. <laughs> <laughs> um, taking. Comic book concepts that a lot of them were created in the '50s and '60s when comic books literally were for children. Yeah, and turning them into the gritty realism that we want in the 2015s um, can be a chore. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they can they can upgrade them or update them, uh, and then you get you know the Spider Man, a radioactive spider that can kind of work no matter what you're doing. Um, you know that's easy enough to up upgrade. Uh, you know Superman batman their their origins are not time specific but the fantastic four was such a 50s concept of they go out into space and cosmic rays turn them into superheroes you know we know better than that now yeah it that's why the movie lucy didn't do well uh i you know i love scarlett johansson i was so excited to hear she was she was the lead in a movie. And then I found out that the concept of Lucy was, we only use 10% of our brains, but here's a serum that makes Lucy able to use a hundred percent of her brain. And <laughs> that is such a BS thing to say in 2015, Right. because we know better now. And the fantastic four totally suffers from having a stupid origin that can't be updated. Cause it was, it was dumb then, but nobody knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I just, think
3: I, I have some strong feelings about these that I wasn't aware of.
1: I, I think they've pretty much and did, didn't they cancel the idea for a sequel to that? Yeah, yeah. yeah
3: they
1: see that's one of those uh, that's one of those properties that's owned by Fox that Fox will not give up the rights to because they don't want to compete with uh, Marvel having their own studio now. Like that's why they have to make an X Men movie at least once every three years or so, mm-hmm. uh, or else they lose the rights to the X Men. You know, so they. Which now they've got X Men movies. If you count Deadpool as an X Men movie, they got they got like three of them coming out in the next year or so. Yeah. You know. So, but they'll have to if they want to hold on to the Fantastic Four, which they may not after that. They're yeah, going to have to do something. Yeah. They're <laughs> going to have to do something, or they're going to have to do like what Sony is doing with Spider Man and loan him to uh, Marvel to use, and then they'll be able to tie. You know, after after Sony loans Spider Man to Marvel they'll be able to tie their movies in with the Avengers from then on, you know, which will, which is more money for them, you know? So I, I don't know if the fantastic four, if they'll just like loan those, those characters, which I really don't know what the MCU would do with them. I don't really like care for those characters anyway, other than the thing, you know, they might be able to do something with him, but the yeah. rest of them, you know, they can, I, I can do without them. Yeah. But okay. The next category is the most unnecessary remake. <laughs> and there were, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of remakes in, in 2015, but I, I kind of consider when you make a quasi sequel to something, but it doesn't have any of the original people in it, I kind of consider that to be a remake. Um, so I picked transporter refueled just because, and I, I to tell you the truth, I haven't even seen transporter refueled. I just, I didn't think it was necessary because I thought that those three movies, uh, stood on their own enough to where uh, if Jason Statham wasn't going to make any more, then why, why, why do it? You know, you already tried to make a TV series that didn't succeed, and uh, it's kind of like when uh, Matt Damon didn't want to do any more Born movies, and then they tried to make a Born movie without Matt Damon, and it and it tanked, and so now they're bringing him back and they're making another one with Matt Damon so they can you know get people to come watch it again. <laughs> you know, so Transporter Refueled was my pick. I, I didn't think it was necessary. Them. Christina,
0: mine is Fuller House.
1: I watched well, Fuller House last why? night. Why? I, I liked it.
0: <laughs> why did? Why is this happening? We have so much good TV right now. Like, True. we can't watch it all. We've got Hulu. We've got Netflix. We've got cable. All the premium stuff. It's all coming at us at once. I I can't possibly watch everything that I want to watch, and yet. And, and sitcoms, like I feel like, you know, they're still they're still out there where people are still watching them. But th- the idea um, that it, people are starting to kind of hate on them, and it's interesting because I, I read an article just just yesterday actually talking about um, the Big Bang Theory. Um, people talking about how much, um, even though that show has been very popular, they don't like the laugh track. They don't like that whole the whole Sitcom sort of you know kind of thing. It's kind of dying out almost, and yeah. so it's, it's 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 interesting to me that they're trying to bring this back, dust it off. I mean, I am too young to have watched that originally, um, so I don't know. I didn't like it. I didn't like the reruns. Yeah,
1: so. I'm. I'm good. Oh, I'll say this about Fuller House. Okay, I, I watched it with my wife last night, and we were. We were the audience for the original show, you know, because when it started, I was probably 10, 11 years old, something like that. Um, when I watched it last night, there was a nostalgia to it. I think I watched three episodes of it, and there was a nostalgia to it. The first episode was kind of a reunion show, so it had all the original characters there, and then the girls were all grown and everything. And there was... Uh, when you get past everybody having to do their little catchphrases, you know, cause everybody had to do their catchphrase. You had to have uncle Jesse had to say, have mercy you know, and all that kind of stuff. But when you got past that, you know, it was basically the same show. It's just different. It's just three women instead of three men. And, you know, and they're raising these little kids. Now, that being said, I don't think it's necessary to do a season two, season three. I think that one mm-hmm. season is enough you know, it was it it was it was good to see the characters again. It was good to to hear them hit all the same marks and everything. And and uh, but after that, I think you know, there's no reason to keep going back and, and doing it over and over again. So
0: I, I feel like there's just a lot of um, nostalgia for nostalgia's sake that's been happening the past few years, like The Goldbergs, for example. Yeah. as a TV show, I mean, all every episode is just like some period in the '80s. You know. There was like a Star Wars episode. <laughs> oh. You know, there was like every little thing like that.
1: And the Goldberg's mixes their time periods up too because they'll have things in the same episode that happened 3 or 4 years apart. <laughs> you know, but uh and I think that's intentional because you're supposed to be listening to somebody tell stories from their childhood and of course nobody's memory is perfect. They you mix things up in your memory anyway, so I think a little a little bit of that is intentional, but um but yeah, there is a lot of stuff. I mean we've got on the Disney Channel right now, my daughter watches this show called Girl Meets World and it's basically Boy Meets World, but you know, the kids from that show are growing and this is about their kids, you know. Which like I said, you watch the first few episodes, it was good for nostalgia and everything, but after that I'm done with it.
3: <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: so Okay, Rick, uh most unnecessary remake.
3: Okay, and this is another one that uh, uh, I've I've met some resistance to my dislike of uh, the X Files. Oh, yes. <laughs> I really hated the, those that it, the 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 six X Files episodes that came out over the last six weeks. Um, <clears throat> well, f- five weeks because one two of them happened in one week, but uh, I it just it was. It was as if somebody have either of you seen it? Oh yeah.
0: I, okay. I saw the the campy episode.
3: <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> For
0: some reason that's the one that I ended up watching. <laughs> well so the one sorry. the
1: one that came after that was pretty campy too. I'll talk about that in a minute cuz that was one of the topics I was going to cover tonight, but Okay. Go um, ahead.
3: Yeah, it just it was almost like somebody created this show based on a conversation where someone described the X-Files to them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it was like, we have to hit every single X-Files trope in every single episode and hit it really hard or people aren't going to get this is the X-Files. It was so X-Files that it was almost a parody. Mm. And I really wanted to love it. I loved the X-Files. I, you know... My Friday nights in 1993 uh, were some of the best because, you know, this was, I think, you know, Friday night is the night where TV shows go to die. But I was working three to 11, the three to 11 shift. And so, uh, and I think I had Fridays off or something. Anyway, Friday night was Briscoe County Jr. and then the X Files for that first year. And if y'all don't know Bruce County Junior, that's, oh, yeah. that's another disco, uh, uh, discussion. But it's an awesome show, uh, Bruce Campbell. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the, the Sex Files was just well. First of all, both Scully and Mulder, it, it was like they were doing a parody of their of their characters. They were both just doing these deadpan monologues, going from scene to scene. Uh... <sighs> you could see kind of the occasional glint in their eyes. Duchovny seemed to be having more fun than Jillian Anderson was. Yeah. Um but it just it just didn't feel right and then thing I don't want to I don't want to spoil cuz you know a lot happens um but I you know it's hard for me to explain it without spoiling and I don't want to spoil it cuz I'm sure there's people that haven't seen it yet um that might want to. And you know if you enjoyed it more power to you i'm happy for you because i wanted to enjoy it and i just couldn't uh it just the the campy episode had a great concept that was you know they they totally showed their cards in the first 10 minutes of the of the episode yeah you know rather than than string it along and make it a surprise it was just you know here it is (laughs) aren't we funny um (laughs) it it felt like X-Files and Friends, the new Saturday morning comedy show based on the X-Files. I just – I I couldn't get into it. And while the last episode was better, it was uh, still – I didn't like the last episode. That was Yeah. Yeah. You know, things like uh, – the whole situation with the cigarette-smoking man was why? All I kept saying was, why are they doing this? He why is he like that? Why did he just take his freaking nose off? Why, why, why? None of it made a a lick of sense. Uh, And I know that, you know, the X-Files was good at that, but it usually had a purpose to it. And this just felt like we're being the X-Files because this is what the X-Files is supposed to be. And I I felt very let down by the whole thing.
1: Yeah. And in the last episode, which I'm not going to ruin too much, but Annabeth Gish came back as Agent Reyes, and we find out that basically she spent the last 10 years lighting Cancer Man cigarettes.
3: <laughs> yeah, and sticking them in his freaking tracheotomy. Yeah, oh.
1: yeah, so... And yet um, he
3: was still talking, even though he had a... T- oh, no. Yeah. I just...
1: <laughs> and then the, uh, the, 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 the last episode deals with basically a virus that attacks your immune system and makes you susceptible to the Anything. stuff that's around you, <laughs> flu, measles, whatever. And so there's supposed to be this whole falling apart of society going on and basically we're just seeing what's inside you know we're seeing what's inside this tv studio we're seeing what's inside this uh hospital mainly because you know they don't have the budget to show what's going on outside yeah and then and then in the last two episodes we're introduced to this miller and einstein and i've Uh. kind of got the feeling that they're they may not be planning to to hand over the show to them but i think they're putting them there for a reason so that they can.
3: I would hate that so hard.
1: <laughs> because, you know, the original idea of Agent Doggett and Reyes was where they were supposed to take over the X-Files when they finally decided to just pull the plug on the show.
3: Oh, uh, that's why that I didn't season. recognize her. So she came after... After Duchovny left the show, I tried to watch the Doggett episodes, and I just couldn't... I got three in and, and lost.
1: Okay, yeah. She she came in and became... Uh, well, Doggett was Scully's partner for a while, yeah. And then she left the FBI, but she was still on the show. And Doggett's partner became Agent Reyes, and uh, the idea was that Scully was going to Jillian Anderson was going to leave the show, and Doggett and Reyes were going to be the oh, the couple or okay. whatever they were going to be the, the the partners. But then they decided to just end the show before Jillian Anderson left, and uh, and so they brought they brought Annabeth Gish back for this episode, but then you know, they, they didn't bring, uh, Jason, what? Not Jason Patrick. Was it Patrick? uh, Robert, Robert Robert Patrick. Patrick, Yeah. Yeah. They didn't bring him back. Of course he's busy doing other things, but, um, but I just, I didn't like the fact that she said that basically she's been liking cancer men cigarettes for the last 10 years. Yeah. But anyway, so I, which overall I enjoyed the, the season mainly because of the, uh, the nostalgia factor. I. The, the 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 campy episode, like I said in the last episode, i i didn't uh, i didn't care for it when I first watched it. I had to go back and watch it again, mainly. And it was mainly because I didn't know it was going to be a funny episode when I watched it. I thought I was sitting down to watch the X Files, and I and I didn't know it was going to be one of their silly episodes, you know. But then the next episode after that, what I was alluding to a minute ago, was that that was a serious episode, and then they put this campy little part in the middle of it where oh, Mulder Mulder was on a shroom trip <laughs> and he got into a, and he started, uh, he, he started dancing to honky tonk, but donk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, which was funny. I, I laughed when it happened, but I was like, I don't understand why they're doing this. <laughs> you know, this is not, it's not meld, meshing with the, with the rest of the episode, but
3: you know, I had, I had a conversation earlier today with, uh, with Richard Smith about this, uh, on the movie news show. Uh, he loved it. He he absolutely loved the, the 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 miniseries, yeah. And we and we were talking about it, and I think if this had been a full season, and some of this stuff was just sprinkled through, like you know when they did, you know they certainly did comedy episodes in the original run of the X Files. Yeah, um,
1: about one but, a year. Yeah,
3: yeah. But one, they were never as obvious as this one was, yeah, as, as the 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 were monster one was. Uh, you know, and they were usually a lot darker. Like, you know, the, when I think of X-Files comedy episodes, I think of home, which yeah. is deeply disturbing, but was still <laughs> funny as hell. Right. <laughs> you know, um, they, but they had six episodes and, you know, there, there's, there's talk that there's going to be a whole series. And of course they left the last one as a cliffhanger is, mm-hmm. you know, probably a way to. Make that start writing those emails, folks. So the the so Fox makes a new series. Yeah. Um. But we've got six episodes. Don't feed me tripe like that. Don't show me Mulder having this this city spanning acid trip. Yeah. <laughs> I I yeah I could this could be a whole episode of me just complaining. So I'm gonna stop. <laughs> so.
1: Like yeah, and I I don't. I don't see any reason why Fox wouldn't go ahead and make another season because you know it, they they got the ratings they had people were were watching it oh yeah I was on I was on Twitter every episode and they and there were people watching it. and I I don't know that um, when they announced that they were only doing six episodes my assumption was that they were all going to be mythology episodes they were it was just going to be this was going to be about the mythology you know and i love monster of the week episodes but i didn't feel like this six episodes those those four monster of the week episodes that we got i didn't feel like they lived up to what we got in the original series so i thought if you're going to do six episodes you might as well have done four of them as mythology episodes at least you know but yeah. they, they just did they just bookended it when they did the first one and the last one were, were mythology. But, um, next category is, uh, and we'll go through this one real quick, but, uh, best, best movie that didn't have any CGI or no CGI that was blatant because I think every movie's got a little bit now, <laughs> yes. but, uh, and my pick was uh bridge of spies, uh, I thought this was, and it's not the best movie of 2015. I don't think it deserves the Oscar um, for that category. I think it, I think everything that Spielberg and, and and Hanks does together automatically gets nominated. I think it's in their contract. <laughs> but uh, but it was a, it was still a decent movie, and it was one that didn't rely on a lot of uh, a lot of CGI. And it did ha- it did have a little bit of CGI, but it wasn't. It didn't depend on it. There was a couple of scenes where uh, uh, an airplane exploded and the guy had to eject. And so I know most of that was CGI, but it wasn't, you know, a superhero movie or something like that. So so as far as that, Bridge of Spies is my pick for that category. So, Christina?
0: I went with a TV show for this category, and that's Outlander on Stars. Um, there surprisingly isn't any cgi any blatant cgi anyways actually i was trying to think through earlier and there really isn't any cgi that i can think of um even though it's a time traveling series um that requires uh magic i guess yeah um so it it's pretty fantastic um so um the second season is about to start back up in april um i thought it was really interesting they uh they decided to follow the new, uh, a new like format um, for putting a show out where they put part of it, only half of the season, out in the spring, and then they do the other half in the fall. So there's shorter breaks in yeah. the in between. Um, it's kind of frustrating because you want the whole season, because um, you know usually like within a season you have your premiere and then you have your finale and it kind of wraps up a little bit at least some things and then there's some things they hang off or whatever, you know, to keep you coming back for more. But so it's a little frustrating, but then at the same time, you don't have to wait as long. Um, But I'm a big fan of the book series. Um, So they're just, it's just really faithful. um, uh, Very faithful to the books and it's really awesome what they're able to do without CGI. (laughs)
1: Okay. Okay. And my yeah, my wife has yeah. just
3: gotten into that show and she's eating it up.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. It's it, fantastic. I haven't seen it, but I think that's the, uh, that's becoming the, the norm as far as uh, the way the seasons are laid out because the walking dead does the same thing. They'll show the first eight episodes in the fall and then they'll take a break over Christmas and then come back in February and they'll do the, the second part of the series after that. And uh, I'm, st- I'm starting to notice that more and more, especially with cable channels, you know, not so, not so much with networks, but you know, cable channels, they do that a lot, but.
0: I, and, you know, the, it's one of the more expensive shows. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's as expensive as Game of Thrones, but the premium uh, cable um, channels can really pay. Um, their production values are pretty high.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: so I don't know. I'm curious if that that schedule is um, easier on them um, or not, like if, if there's any incentive there. Because um, I'm not, other than, I don't know why they do it other than, making it easier on the fans but i mean
1: i think it's mainly when when does the first part of the season come on in the fall
0: um it comes on in the spring so april it it starts up at the same time as game of thrones
1: and then they take a break over the summer that i mean that that may be why because there's not there's not as many people watching tv during the summer because they're going on vacation and stuff that's why everything's in reruns on the networks and or either that are reality shows they come on in the summertime and so they're probably just taken a break because they know they're not gonna get as many viewers. Um, so and then they come back in the fall because that's when everybody is watching TV, you know. So.
0: I mean, it definitely has a cult following already. I mean it, it started off with one, um, kind of like Game of Thrones did, um, where there's a lot of faithful book readers. Um so it definitely it's you know, cable I feel like uh, premium cable; it's different. Those TV shows are just different, and it's not unlike Netflix, um, like you know, Daredevil and stuff like that. Like, you know, people they're gonna watch it no matter when it comes on. Okay. Because it's just.
1: All right, Rick. Uh, what do you got for this category?
3: Okay, I was I was uh, about ready to throw up my hands and say nothing I watched had no CGI, but then I realized, uh, now there probably was some in this, but it's very minimal and, uh, certainly not in your face. Um, it does kind of knock out one of my, my own categories for later, but that's okay. I'll figure something out for this. Uh, (laughs) it was a fabulous little indie film from New Zealand called what we do in the shadows. Uh, have either of you heard of it?
1: Well, I heard you mentioned it on the uh, Halloween episode, but I don't, but I don't, I haven't seen it. So
3: it's, it's a, uh, a mockumentary, I hate that term, but it's, (laughs) um, (laughs) it's, it's, you know, it's done documentary style of uh, following this house with four, four or five, four vampires uh, and, you know, they, they established at the beginning that they've agreed not to, not to eat the camera crew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it just follows their, their nightly lives as vampires. Um, there, I mean, there's a little bit of CGI. They, they have a run in with some werewolves at one point, which is hilarious. Yeah. The, the whole thing is, you know, it's spinal tap for the undead. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And uh, and so, what CGI is there? A lot of, you know, occasionally one of them will fly or something, and you tell it's wire work. They there's not a lot of, uh, you know, transformations and stuff like that. And and any any tricks that happen seem to be, you know, in camera kind of, you know, Bella Lugosi, uh, Lon Chaney stuff. Uh, so it, it's, I I think the movie's great. They're talking about a sequel, but it's going to take forever because a couple of the guys in the movie are doing other big things. I forget uh, what exactly, but uh, um, I highly recommend what we do in the shadows. If you are a fan of horror, if you are a fan of vampires, uh, if you're a fan of things like Spinal Tap and Best in Show and uh, um, what was the one they did about folk music? Um, a Mighty Wind. Is that yeah. What it yeah. Um, you know, that kind of, that kind of, uh, improvisational filmmaking, uh, what we do in the shadows is brilliant and it's, it's hilarious. It just, it, it's a really good movie. And if there's CGI in it, it's very minimal.
1: Okay. All right. Well, that's, uh, I mean, that's it for the, the categories that I had. And, uh, I was going to let everybody mention a couple of categories that they made up for their, for themselves. And, uh, I've just, I've only got two. But um, the first one is uh, the best use of a CGI character in a live action movie. And I'm going to give that to Star Wars, The Force Awakens, with uh, Maz Kanata, voiced by Lupita Nyong'o. I think I pronounced that correctly. Good job. This this is exactly what Jar Jar should have been. You know, just bring just, just. just one scene or two scenes, you know, and, and, uh, 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 bring them in, uh, actually have the plot move because of something that they say, you know, that, that what she talks about is central to the, to the plot with Ray and, uh, and then, and then move on, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to have the character in the entire movie. You know, Jar Jar was just George Lucas saying, look what I can do with computers, I'm doing mm-hmm. computer stuff, you know, <laughs> and, but, uh, but I thought that this, that this character was, and, and she, she looked great. And of course, uh, Lupita, and, and I'm not going to keep saying her last name mm-hmm. over and over cause I, I know I'll get it wrong eventually, but she did a great, I didn't even realize it was her when I saw the movie, I looked it up later and, uh, you know, there was a, there was part of it where she takes her glasses off and looks and, you know, you can, you, you can see there's character in her eyes, you know, even though it's a CGI character, it was, it was so well done, you know?
3: So. Yeah.
1: And then my other, uh, my other category, uh, just real quick is actually, I'm changing my category cause I wanted to bring this up. It was, um, <laughs> best reuse of a character. And I wanted to go with a TV show because better call Saul is one of my favorite shows. that's on right now. Have Either one of you guys seen this?
3: No, uh, Okay. I, I did not watch, uh, uh, breaking bad. You, yeah,
0: me you, either.
1: You don't have... I mean, it, it helps if you saw Breaking Bad, but if you didn't, you don't have to see Breaking Bad to watch this show because this is just one of the characters that... He was central to the plot in Breaking Bad, but he didn't have a huge part. You 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 go back and watch it now and uh, you realize that his part wasn't as big in Breaking Bad as you thought it was at the time mm-hmm. just because his character is so big, you know, so loud. and, and uh, But it's um, Bob Odenkirk... Uh, that used to be on Mr. Show. He mm-hmm. uh, it's a spinoff of, uh, of Breaking Bad, and he plays he plays uh, his character's name is Jimmy McGill, and uh, this is kind of leading up to explaining how he became Saul Goodman and um, and and came into that universe of, of Breaking Bad and everything. Mm-hmm. But it but the show I think the show is just so well done. It's got uh, Ray Seahorn in it, and Michael McKean is in it. Oh and yeah, he play he plays uh, Saul's brother and uh and it's it's and and his character is so good too because he's afraid of uh he's had some kind of a meltdown and he's afraid to be around any kind of electronics uh when he comes into the room everybody cuz he's a big time lawyer and everybody has a lot of respect for him but everybody has to put their cell phones into a box and and he wears a suit that's got like aluminum foil on the inside of it and, (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. And it's, 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 it's really good. And the, it's equal parts, uh, drama and comedy. And I just, I, I I really recommend it It, even, I mean, breaking bad was a great show, but uh, this, I'm not going to say this is better. It's just, it's a different kind of show because breaking bad wasn't a comedy and better call Saul is kind of half comedy, you know, and it's, and it's, but it's really good. So, all right, Christina, what are your uh, categories you want to share with us?
0: I only have two as well. <clears throat> okay. Um, so my first one is because uh, <laughs> going back to um, our last episode when we were talking about how the sci-fi movies always get shafted at the Oscars. Yeah. Um, I think this year's best movie was Star Wars. Um, it was fantastic. Um, it was everything we all wanted and hoped for and dreamed for. When I first saw it, I. I think I... I had an overly negative reaction, and I think it was just, like, from the amount of built-up, I don't know, excitement, <laughs> I guess, that once it was, like, over, like, I, did, I kind of felt like I didn't know how to act <laughs> after <laughs> that. Like, I was having, like, some kind of, like, I don't know, reverberation or so. There was something going on.
1: Yeah, it's, um, called, I- it's called squee.
0: <laughs> yes, we. Yeah. I actually knew a lot about, um, of the force awakens, um, before it came out, um, just due to, you know, working, um, for Lucasfilm licensees and just hearing all the chatter on the inside. I, I got a lot of spoilers beforehand. So I think I, that kind of messed with my first viewing experience because I was waiting for certain things to happen, you know, certain things that happen that are a really big deal. I was waiting to see those things. And, um, so that was kind of like a whoa, but after I saw it, the you know the second, the third time, etc., I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I am a huge Star Wars fan, so um, that both means that you're incredibly biased for it, but also really, really harsh and critical. So the fact that I can sit here and say I loved it, I think it's. Um, very good job, JJ.
3: <laughs>
0: Very good job, indeed.
3: So, After I saw The Force of the Weekends for the first time, uh, I, I came home and I didn't want to spoil anything. So all I did was I posted on Facebook, Dear JJ, all is forgiven. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm a huge Star Trek fan, too. Uh, if you not hadn't noticed, uh, and what he's done to Star Trek is hard to forgive. <laughs> see,
0: I see I have to disagree. I I mean the second one, eh, eh, but the first the first JJ Trek, I I really enjoyed it. And I grew up watching Star Trek my entire life. My dad, huge Star Trek fan, Sean can testify. Yep. Huge. <laughs> and you know, I so I mean I literally you know, grew up watching the next generation. It was on airing when I was like baby. So I watched the entire, you know, that was my me time with my dad, um, sitting there, you know, watching next generation and then deep space nine and Voyager and everything. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I had the appreciation of, of, I guess what people call real Trek, (laughs) you know, um, but, and I understand why a lot of the uh, original uh, old school Trekkies pre- don't like the JJ Trek. Um, but I, I have a, I love JJ Abrams. Like, I, I like almost everything he does. So I, I think that's part mm-hmm. of it. But I, I love the new, the new idea on it. And, and the thing is, I think a lot of people were, thought that it was like going to replace Trek. You know, that it was supposed to be the new Trek and that's all people were supposed to watch. I, I guess I don't look at it that way. I I, I understand the, this is Trek. This is old Trek. This is like, you know, traditional Trek. And then this is like, you know, an off-roading little side fun over here.
2: Yeah. And
0: I don't really like, I don't. I don't mix the two. I I think I keep them separate in my head so it doesn't bother me where I think a lot of people have a hard time with that and they think, Oh, this is supposed to be what Trek is. Now this is not Trek. My Trek is, you know, you know, Kirk and Spock, you know, being, you know, Leonard Leonard and you know, all that stuff. So
3: I'll admit that's how I was, uh, before the the first one came out before 2009. Uh, I enjoyed the, the 2000, I even owned the blue. It was the first Blu-ray I ever bought. Um, There are a lot of aspects of new Trek that I don't like. Uh, I don't care for the new ship. I don't like the look of most of it, but the characters, the actors do a great job and JJ directs one hell of a great action movie, which is why when I heard he was doing star Wars, I was like, hallelujah, this is where he belongs. Um, My problem with a little bit with, with uh, 2009, but a, the big problem with Into Darkness was lazy writing. Um, Star Trek may have, in the past, always the science hasn't always been you know totally airtight, but there's always been at least an attempt to keep it somewhat scientifically plausible. Uh, you know, with a few notable exceptions, things you know like warp drive and transporters, which are you know ex- necessary to expedite the stories. Um, stuff like red matter. A supernova that's going to destroy the universe, um, <laughs> yeah. and then and then you know getting into into darkness with transporting across the entire freaking galaxy, communicators that'll work across the freaking galaxy, magic blood. Uh, you know, I could just I could just go on and on and on about all of the, the 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 stupid things in in the stories because Star Trek has made mistakes. Don't you know? I'm not. I, I don't for a minute think it's perfect. You know, there are plot holes in The Wrath of Khan that you could fly a starship through. Yeah. Um, but they never, well, not never because there's always Star Trek V, but for the most part, they never got stupid or lazy. And that's to me what the, the, the biggest failing of the, of the, the JJ movies are. They're, they're great action stories. They're great for bringing in new people. They're fun to watch. I saw Into Darkness four times at the theaters. Before I started thinking about what I was watching, and it started to make me angry. Um, I just Star Trek n- deserves better than that, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, and I know JJ can do better than that. And I blame Robert Orsi <laughs> for the most part, <laughs> or Roberto, whatever. Anyway, Bob Orsi. I,
0: <laughs> I am I am a little concerned about the next one, though. Um, I'm, I'm just, a lot
3: concerned. About yeah, I
0: mean, it's uh, I forget I forget his name, but it's the, the director of. Is a fast and furious director. So yeah.
3: L- obviously, Lynn? is that his name? Lynn? Mm. Something like something, that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait, is Lee? Is it Lee's Lee his last name? I can't I can't remember. <laughs> but I just know that it's bad. Like I am not sure. And the the trailer, you know, when the trailer's really bad, I think that's especially yeah. concerning. I mean sometimes like you can just get lucky, but I feel like it's more common to be the other way around. The a trailer's good and the movie's bad than <laughs>
3: The only reason I'm, I'm, I, when the trailer came out, I was, the first thing I said was there is not a measurement, uh, a, a system of measurements small enough <laughs> to totally up how much I want to see this movie. Um, but Simon Pegg, who I am not happy with <laughs> <laughs> uh, after the last movie, um, was interviewed after that trailer came out and cause you know, he, he, he's writing or wrote the, uh, you know, co-wrote the movie. Um, and he said that he's very essentially very disappointed with the trailer they released. And what that trailer shows is not the movie they made.
0: So basically and pride and prejudice and zombies. Yeah.
3: Cause, <laughs> cause did, you know, I, with pride and prejudice and, and zombies, did you see, I, I don't remember if it was a show or what, but there was a, um, I think it was like maybe io9 or cracked or something. Uh, I saw a video where they compared the trailer that was released in the UK and the trailer that was released here for Pride and Prejudice and zombies. And the one in the UK was what the movie you described. Mm. And the one that was here was the one you were talking about where it made it look like it was an action zombie, zombie movie. movie. yeah.
0: That, you know, I didn't know that, but it, I am not shocked at all. <laughs> That's, yeah, I mean, they, they have a lot more period TV than we do. Just, I mean, ITV alone. Like well, Downton
2: Abbey. <laughs> I
0: mean, Downton Abbey was, like, not meant to be this international sensation that it is. Obviously, it was just meant for, you know, UK audiences. And right. so I'm not surprised. Like, they can sell that there better than they can here in the U.S. So.
1: Yeah. But, what was your well, other, What was your other pick?
0: Um, my other one, um, I, I have to throw in like a traditional, real Oscars-esque uh, category, and that's um, best costume design. Um, <laughs> for me, I am a huge Disney fan, huge, um, and I, I love Cinderella. I, I thought they did a really amazing job with that. It's really hard to recreate. It just her dress alone. Sandy Powell is the costume designer, and it's just so hard to recreate something so iconic right. over again and to pull it off and make not everyone hate it. I think the biggest controversy about that dress was how small um, uh, the waist was, uh, Lily James, I believe, yeah. um, how small her waist was, like everybody kind of had an overreaction on that one. Um, they just thought it was a little absurd that she's so small, but she, you know, she's a small girl. And, um, I guess she, she was corseted down quite a bit, um, to the point where it was almost too, it was uncomfortable. So that was kind of a controversy. But other than that, I mean, I think she really did a great job of recreating, um, an iconic, um, dress from one of the most iconic Disney films. Um, but an American icon really, um, and made it over, and and it, and it was accepted. You know, people accepted it. So I think that's that's a feat right there. So,
3: okay, cool. All
1: right, Rick, you got some picks for us?
3: Yep, I got a couple. Uh, actually, I had a bunch, but we've we've essentially talked about all of them in various other ways, except <laughs> except a couple. All right. Um, best use of movie credits, and with with a <laughs> with a subcategory of uh, best abuse of a unicorn. And both go to Deadpool. <laughs> uh, of course, <laughs> you will never look at a unicorn the same way no. after you see Deadpool. <laughs> and uh, just in case you don't know, because any Marvel movie, you know, you need to stick around after the credits, most especially for Deadpool. Yeah. Um, not gonna, not gonna in the least bit spoil, but one of the things that made Deadpool stand out to me is that. The movie starts and within 10 seconds you're laughing. And they just don't stop. Well, there's there there's there, there's a there are sections where it gets kind of grim, uh but for the most part, I have never laughed so much. Well, not never. I have not laughed that much through the entirety of a film in a very long time. Uh so, yeah. Um, and then the other one I've got, and this one may be a little controversial, but uh, <laughs> best use of nudity that actually is integral to the plot, and that is that goes to Ex Machina. Okay, I haven't seen Ex Machina yet. Yeah, so I I <laughs> okay. Uh Okay, if you've seen it, you, you'll you'll understand. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a robot love story, kind of sort of. But uh, there's there are several scenes that involve nudity in a way that is neither gratuitous nor overly titillating. Uh, It just it it makes total sense and it would be odd if it wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, You know, so many times, especially in smaller films, you'll see nudity put in just as kind of a, a, you know, just because. But. This is one where it actually makes sense that it should be there. Okay,
0: that so. that's really interesting. That makes me want to watch it, just not because because it's not gratuitous. Because I have a huge pet peeve, and I, I could do an episode just on a rant about gratuitous nudity um, and rape scenes and like Game of Thrones. Oh, oh so
2: okay,
0: yeah. <laughs> so like I I think it's really interesting when something really needs to be there. Like I that makes me. Want to watch it just to see why? Because that that's really interesting to me. I
3: you know I've 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 been banging on about it during this whole discussion, but I cannot recommend Ex Machina enough. And I don't a lot of times when I speak this highly of a movie, uh, I will tap dance all around and, and do disclaimer after disclaimer, trying to avoid overhyping a film. I don't I am not worried about this. I think it's a, it's an excellent movie, uh, and I. I have not heard anyone that's seen it disagree. Okay.
1: All right. Um, real quick before we end, I wanted to, um, just do our picks for best actor and best actress and best picture. Um, based on what's nominated or what? No, no. Based on what you've actually seen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll I'll just do mine real quick, and we'll you, we'll just we'll just go through and do each one of us do all three. But um, for best actor, I really like Sylvester Stallone's performance in Creed because um I'm I've always been a Rocky fan. I like all the Rocky movies, even the bad ones. I even I even like Rocky Four. <laughs> I even like Rocky Five. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: But um, uh, Creed was a uh, it's kind of a sequel and a sp- kind of a spinoff at the same time because Creed is alluding to a character who is Apollo Creed's illegitimate son and uh, Rocky is training him to be a fighter. And Sylvester Stallone, I thought he did. um, To be able to step back into a role and, and, and because people say, well, when he's playing Rocky, he's just playing himself. But he's not. Rocky is a character and it's not just who Sylvester Stallone is. Rocky uh was from I mean he had the kind of the same background that Sylvester Stallone may have had, but that character had a lot of heart, you know, and uh and for him to be able to just step back into that role and you hear him talk and he he's definitely playing the same character that he played forty years ago. It's the same guy. You know, he there nothing it's not like when uh, Bruce Willis makes another Die Hard movie and John Mac- John McClane is nothing like he was in the original. You know, it's it's just Bruce Willis. You know, Sylvester Stallone is stepping in and he's playing. He's he's definitely Rocky again. And you know, he goes through some stuff in this movie that I don't want to spoil. That uh, that really show Sylvester Stallone's ability as an actor. I think he gets uh, the short end of the stick sometimes because people just assume that he's a meathead. Uh, action star, you know, but but I, I really think Sylvester Stallone. he's not the best actor in the world, but I definitely think that he has some ability, you know, and and and, and it was showcased here. Best actress, I'm gonna give that to Jennifer Lawrence for Mocking J Part Two. Um I didn't think Mocking J Part Two was the strongest of the series, the the Hunger Game series, but I think Jennifer Lawrence uh I think she's a great actress and I think she did a good job in that movie. And I saw two movies that she made this, this year, that one and she made Joy. And I kinda like Joy, but I thought Mocking J was a better movie. It's a different kind of movie, you know. But and I'm gonna give Best Picture to Star Wars The Force Awakens just because it's the most entertaining movie that I saw last year. You know, there may have been some artsy movies that are better overall films, but I was mostly I was most entertained by that film. So Christina?
0: Um, well, mine's not going to be too exciting because I'm actually pretty much agreeing with everything you just said. Um, definitely Best Picture, Star Wars is fantastic um, for all reasons stated. Um, but also, um, for, for Best Actress, like I also have to give it to J-Law. I, I love the Hunger Games movies. I, this is the one uh, movie series that I didn't read the books for. I almost always read the books before I watch the movies, um, but I, it was unknown to me when I came into watching the very first one. Um, and I made a pact with a friend that I would finish watching all the movies before before I read the books, um, and I never do that. Um, but I, I really enjoyed them. I was I was sad to see it end, but I, it did. The only thing about the last one um, was it it kind of. I felt a little desensitized by the time it was all over. Yeah, it was just like you know, it was just like constantly just like hit after hit. Like after a while, you just like you're exhausted from all the, I don't know chaos. There was
1: a, there was a lot going on. Like I there, said, it, it wasn't the strongest in the series, but there were some scenes in there that I thought were great. Like the scene where they're in the little, uh, the little town that's filling up with oil or whatever. I thought that was a great scene, and uh, stuff like that. But go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Oh no, you're <laughs> fine. Um and for for actor, I think I'm going to go with Eddie Redmayne for Danish girl. Just like that's that's a hard role. I mean I was impressed. Um he he's quickly becoming one of my new favorite actors. Like I he's going to be of course I'm a huge Harry Potter fan and he's going to be um uh, new commander in um, the new um, Fantastic piece and Where to Find Them. And I'm really, really, really stoked about that. But he just seems to be very versatile in his roles. Like, I've seen him. He was in uh, Jupiter Ascending. He was a bad guy. He was He's in this, doing this really, you know, hard role, talking about a very, what is currently a very controversial topic. But in a time period that makes it even worse. And then you have, like, um, you know, his... Upcoming role in Harry Potter. So I think he is doing phenomenal work.
1: Okay. All right, Rick, what are your picks?
3: All right. uh, I'm going to say best picture because I'm still not sure yet. Um, Best actress uh, is going to go to Daisy Ridley. She totally carried The Force Awakens. Yeah. uh, Especially considering this was her first movie. Uh, You know, uh, she'd done a a few commercials and I think a a TV show a couple of appearances on TV or something, but she was essentially, you know, not just an unknown. This was her first foray and she was awesome. I am totally smitten with her in a completely non-pervy way, which kind of amazes <laughs> me because she's, I mean, she's gorgeous, but I'm not like, Oh my God, she's so cute. I'm like, she is absolutely amazing. Um, You know, she, her performance in the force awakens is very subtle and Star Wars is not a series known for subtlety. Uh, you know, she is understated yet powerful. Uh, if, I, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos of the workout she had to do to do this part. She could kick all of our asses and then <laughs> <laughs> not and not spill her tea. Uh, she's just amazing and very poised. Uh, she handles interviews really well. She's just amazing, and I think that The Force Awakens would not have been half the movie it was without her. Uh, so I, Daisy Ridley hand, da- hands down. Yeah,
0: uh, I completely agree.
3: <laughs> uh, best actor, Oc- uh, pff, Oscar Isaac for, uh, in, uh, in Ex Machina, uh, which I've raved about, uh, quite a bit already and I will continue to do so. Uh, his performance as Nathan, uh, is nothing short of disturbing, uh, creepy, uh, yet compelling. And if you didn't know that that was Poe Dameron on the screen, you would not know. Or vice versa. If you didn't know that, uh, you know, that it was the same actor playing either part, depending on which movie you saw first, you, you would not recognize him. Yeah. Uh, he, he's just amazing. Uh, incredible. Uh, in you know, his character in, in Ex Machina is not someone you'd want to know, <laughs> but, <laughs> Uh, he's, he's just, I'm um, incredible. Uh, and I, I can't say enough good about the movie and I'm going to give it best film too, best picture. Okay. I was wavering between that and the force awakens. I was looking at the list of stuff I saw in 2015. Uh, and you know, it's tempting to say the Martian, but as much as I enjoyed the Martian, I don't think it's best picture worthy I mean it's it's awesome that it was nominated I interviewed Andy Weir last year uh, before yeah. they before they made the movie and he's a great guy I love the book I love how successful it's been I think the movie was awesome I don't think it was best picture awesome um, you know I don't think in 25 years people are going to still be talking about the Martian no, no, no. Um, and you know there were other things that were okay Crimson Peak was fun uh uh Age of Ultron was eh, wasn't great, but it wasn't, you know, it was it was big explodey fun.
1: Yeah. Jurassic
3: <laughs> World. <ugh. laughs> uh Terminator Genesis. Why the hell did they make that movie?
1: I started um, to that started to be my one of my uh picks was gonna be the best murder of a franchise.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it would be uh
1: Terminator Genesis because they've cancelled any future installments and in that timeline of Terminator, anyway, uh,
2: the, the next
1: the next time we see Terminator, it'll be some kind of uh some kind of reboot or uh, sequel that'll be a different timeline or let
3: it go. Maybe I, it I, go. if hey,
1: if they would bring back Sarah Connor Chronicles, I'd be happy.
3: You but, know, I heard that you're not the first person that said that recently. Yeah, but I think maybe, and I could be wrong about this, but did did you watch the Sarah Connor Chronicles? Oh, God. (laughs) The Sarah Connor Chronicles as it aired. I did, yeah. Okay, so so did I. And I think maybe we might be remembering it with a little bit of the rose-tinted glasses of, of hindsight. Because episodes one through nine were awesome. True. And then the writer's strike hit. And when it came back after the writer's strike, it was a shadow of its original self
1: yeah it did lose something towards the end um which is why I had assumed that it had gotten canceled i I figured there was some writing changes I didn't think about it being part of the the whole writer strike thing at the time but uh that was the same thing that happened the 20, 24 used to be one of my favorite shows and um the writer strike happened and it just disappeared you know for a, it disappeared long enough that people really kind of forgot about it when it came back it wasn't it wasn't anything like it had been originally.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I think a lot of, a lot of good shows went away because of, because of that strike.
3: Yeah. The, o- the only good thing that came out of the writer's strike, uh, and, and I'm this applies even to the writers because they got hosed even harder after striking, uh, was Dr. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which I hear they're going to do an update to that, but.
3: Weedon, well, Whedon's been talking about it. He wants to, but yeah. he's been so busy uh, doing, mar, you know, doing the Marvel stuff, uh, and now he's he's done with that, and he's got some other projects. But he, he every now and then he he pops his head up and says, "Don't worry, we're going to do it. It's just it's just not. It's just a matter of when." Uh, hey, I, you could, know.
1: I could stand to see like maybe a, a feature length uh, uh, film of that. You know, yeah.
3: And I would rather it take another five years and be good yeah. than them to rush something out and you know and yeah. Because I love Doctor Horrible, I was a latecomer to it. When I I, I saw it online, and I saw it was Doctor Horrible sing along blog. Chris, uh, uh, um, have you seen it?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. it's a fan favorite amongst <laughs> the the fan community for sure. Um, you
3: know, I, I I remember seeing it on YouTube, and I started to watch it, and then I was like, eh, I don't want to watch this, and I turned it off. And then a friend of mine. Sat me down about a year later. He had the DVD and he says, "Have you seen Doctor Horrible?" I was like, eh, "Not really." It kind of looks stupid. He was like, "You've got to watch this." <laughs> and you know, I ten minutes in, I'm hooked. Uh, not not even that long. Yeah. Um, so I would love to see more, but I would rather it just be what we've got. If if the more isn't as awesome, right. Uh, and you know, uh, uh, Joss Whedon is amazing. I, I uh, I've adored almost everything of his that I've seen. Uh, but everybody can falter, and so I am glad that he's not just squeezing something out to make it happen.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. that's okay. Always a good thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna call it a night on this. We were gonna uh, we were gonna do some true and false. But our conversation was uh, pretty good on those uh, on the <laughs> Golden Spud Awards, so I'm gonna save these true or false questions for uh, for another episode. Go, can I can I
3: plug one thing really quickly? Yeah. Um. That I was I I I wasn't sure how to squeeze it in because it's not a um, you know it's not a movie or a TV show, um. But I've been playing a, a new game. It's a mobile game called Star Trek Timelines. Have you heard of it?
1: I saw the I saw some ads for it on, on
3: Facebook. Yeah. It's pretty. It, I don't know how to describe it. Because it's not really a real-time strategy game. And it's not really an RPG. And it's not really, you know, it, I don't know what you call it. Um, what it, the, the, the concept is that, that time has been shredded. And you have access to almost every character from Star Trek. From every iteration. So you can create an away team of Captain Picard... And Quark and TOS Spock, <laughs> you know, or you can have your ship, which you start off with the Constellation, which is uh, which is a, a or the the Stargazer, you know, the, a Constellation class starship. Yeah, and you're fighting. You can fight Kavort class birds of prey and Maquis raiders and galler class Cardassian ships, and and it's just the entire Star Trek universe is all kind of mashed up into this one thing, and you you collect uh uh you you collect crew members and level them up and they have various attributes and, and you have missions that you go through. It's really hard to describe but it's become quite the time suck. <laughs> it
0: it sounds a lot like Disney Infinity to me. But for Star Trek and adults instead of okay. kids. But yeah Disney Infinity works that way where it's like this, you know, the entire Disney universe is open to you which includes star wars now and marvel oh cool and all that stuff and you you know you it all gets thrown into the gameplay so you can really create like whatever you want
3: <laughs> I, I guess it's closer the, the closest thing would be like a CG, ccg a collectible card game because you know aside from the starship battles you're you're just kind of putting crew members into these slots and then they go through this mission but it's not like there's there's graphics or anything it is just kind of kind of a a flow chart sort of thing. It's I'm not enough of a gamer to have the vocabulary to describe it, but it's a lot of fun and it's, it's free to play. Although there are in game purchases that kind of make things easier, but it's not impossible to do without paying anything. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's for mobile platforms, but I think you can play it on your, on your desktop as well. I haven't tried yet, but uh, uh, it's, it's, it's really worth checking out. Star Trek timelines. The, the, the company is disruptor beam. And they, I've heard several interviews with them, and they are absolute diehard Trek fans. And they are trying their absolute best to keep this as faithful to Star Trek as they can. So that's why it's kind of hard to describe, because it doesn't really fit any other gaming system.
1: I'll have to try it out, because... um... Star Trek, as big of a Star Trek fan as I am, they don't have a great history with video games.
3: No, they do not. All
1: their video (laughs) games suck. I mean, so bad. (laughs) I I wasted so much money. I took, uh, uh, when I was a kid, you know, I got some uh, money for my birthday. I had like 50 bucks and went to Toys R Us and bought a Star Trek The Next Generation game for Super Nintendo and it was terrible. I, yeah. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't figure out how to do anything, <laughs> you know? So yeah, they, uh, and even, even some of the newer games that are based on the, uh, on the, uh, JJ verse are not great because they just kind of, you know, all the, they come out with a video game for every movie now and they just churn them out, you know, Yeah, they don't spend enough time developing them. They are just trying to get them on the market, you know? So, but, uh, some of these mobile platform games, they're out there and you're playing them while they're still working on them. So they're, so they improve over time. So I'll, uh, that, that's, I, that's yeah.
3: kind of the situation with this one. They, they only just came out of beta like, uh, in January, I think. Um, and so they're, it is a work in progress still. Yeah. But, uh, th- you know, they're very open about what they're doing. Their forums are very open about it. Uh, and, uh, I just, I'm having a great I'm having a lot of fun with it and I am not a video gamer so
1: yeah (laughs) uh. right. well uh, Rick thanks for being here with us tonight my pleasure thank you and Christina thank you
0: thanks for having me
1: and uh, we're going to call it a night so uh, take care guys hey guys before we go I wanted to take a minute and tell you about another project that I'm working on My wife and I have started another podcast called Life in Stripes. And it's all about living with CVID, which stands for Common Variable Immunodeficiency. This is a disease that my wife and my son both have that suppresses their immune system. So we started this show to raise awareness and uh, support other people in the CVID community. So I would love for you guys to go to iTunes and download that show. Tell me what you think. Uh, Like I said before, it's called Life in Stripes. They just use that keyword in iTunes and it should come right up. As far as this show... Cosmic Potato you can also find us on iTunes if you go there and leave us a five star review that's going to help us get on all of iTunes notable lists so that more people will be able to see us we're also available pretty much everywhere that you can get a podcast Uh, Stitcher Spreaker Acast Podcast Addict and Google Play is going to be starting a a podcast catcher here pretty soon and um, you'll be able to get us on that as well this episode was a lot of fun by the time you're listening to this, uh, the Oscars have already aired. And you know all the answers to who won what. So what did you think? Did the movie that won deserve it? Tweet me at Cosmic underscore one and let me know what you think. You can also find us on Facebook. Just do a quick keyword search. And um, if you want to email me directly, my address is SeanRay at CosmicPotato.com. S-S-H-A-W-N-W-R-A-Y at CosmicPotato.com. So that's going to do it for this episode. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Until then, you guys take care. Bye.